Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. As always, I'm very excited, especially excited today because we don't often bring anybody back, but we are bringing back Jeff Nicholson, who is the Vice President of CRM Product Marketing at Pegasystems. And uh, if you remember, Jeff is an amazing, um, he has an amazing mind and an understanding on everything related to customer engagement. He's considered a thought leader uh, in the world, and he's invited to speak at many conferences, not just Pegasystem conferences, but he's known throughout the entire industry. And we are going to be talking about customer journeys today. So, uh, Jeff, welcome back to Amazing Business Radio. Great to be back, as always, Shep. Well, we're going to have fun, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, anybody, by the way, that uh, isn't aware of Jeff or doesn't know Jeff from her past uh, programs, just go on to AmazingBusinessRadio.com and simply type in his name, Jeff Nicholson. Just type in Nicholson, N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N. It was a phenomenal episode. We talked about, uh, you know, everybody's worried about omni-channel and all the multiple channels, but you had the concept called? Channelist. Channelist. Uh, to, to move to a channelist strategy as, as a path to, be, to becoming uh, close to your omni-channel vision. And, and it's a different way of thinking about the business problem, which is allowing many organizations to now break through. Yeah, and I love it. So the channelist solution means you don't worry about which channel. It's really the customer is going to approach you and connect with you, and it's all about just the connection. All right, let's get into uh, the customer journey. What is the customer journey? What's the ideal customer journey, and, and how has it evolved? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting in the way you phrased it by saying, what's the ideal customer journey? And that tends to be the focus of most customer journey mapping exercises, uh, for better or worse. You, you imagine – uh, what would be a great customer that I might have in their persona, and what would be a wonderful experience I could give them? What if they walked into my stores and they were greeted by all these wonderful uh, messages and technologies? And, and it, it it tends to start um, all too often with a nonspecific, you're not really talking about an individual and their real needs. You're talking about a, a persona, often it could be even fictional. And you you start by dreaming up experiences almost out of the blue that might be wonderful, uh, but don't necessarily recognize that you have a lot of experiences happening right now under your feet. Uh, customers interacting and moving across customer journeys, not at a segment level, but individual level. And they're having experiences that are, are falling short. And it's not that businesses don't want to fix broken experiences or journeys. It's, it's also they just don't know where to start. And so rather than starting with a utopia vision that may or may not be possible, what, our, what this principle is, can we recognize that there are actually seven deadly sins that we might uh, share uh, that organizations will commonly be, uh, if not fostering, uh, it, it might be experiencing. And if you only knew where to look, it might help uh, in many cases begin to heal some of these uh, journeys that are happening right now in very specific, focused ways and, and begin to take a faster course of action. All right, so I want to make sure I understand this because you're asking me, I think, to step out of what I would uh, traditionally think of as a journey map. Years ago, I read a book 
by Jan Carlson titled Moments of Truth and actually read articles prior to that by him. This is, we're talking back in the 1980s. And he talked about the journey that a passenger on an airplane took. He, he was president or in charge of Scandinavian Airlines. And he said the, the passenger makes a reservation. That's the first main touch point. By the way, I call them touch points uh, on, at the top line where the customer is actually intersecting with the company. And when the customer makes a call, back then they make a call today. Obviously, you can jump online and make your reservation. But that was a major touch point, checking in at the curb uh, at the airport and dropping off your bags, going inside of the ticket counter, uh, being greeted at the gate by the gate agent. All of these are major touch points, and they're part of the journey that a customer makes. Is Are we talking about that or something else? Oh, it's certainly related. It's certainly related. It, it just doesn't reside in a map necessarily. Uh, but it all does start with what you just said, which is the moment of need. And Ah, the moment uh, of the, need. The, I like that. Yeah, and, and really the, the, that's where our first sin comes from. And the first sin uh, comes in the, in the form – what we'll actually talk about it is where the breakdown is and perhaps what the breakthrough might be. And the breakdown comes in the form of proximity or distance from that moment of need. How close are you uh, to that moment when, when they need you? And we can look to some examples uh, from a number, a number of industries uh, on how organizations have used this as a catalyst with which to transform and shape experience just by solving this one piece. All right, so this uh, is the first of the deadly hmm? sins. Exactly, and, exactly. And summarize, I want to make sure it's how close you are or how close you aren't. What, what is number mm-hmm. one? Let's give it a title. It is proximity. So th- proximity. That, that's what the sin is. And then the breakthrough we'll call becoming closer uh, to that moment of need. And uh, an, an example for you. Uh, everyone likes to use exemplars uh, these days to say who's doing the best at doing this and that. And one of those that just always seems to come up is is Amazon. And we'll talk about them, but in a different way than, than I think most have talked about them in the past. Uh, because we're talking, in this case, about moment of need. And what are they doing differently uh, to address moment of need? And if you look at what's happened in, in, in over the years with Amazon, they started out as, what, Amazon.com. Remember when that was their logo? Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone... Well, if you look now, you're, you're actually going to see it's, it's changed to, to just be Amazon. And, you know, what, what could possibly have happened here? Well, what they realized is that if we're just on your laptop, uh, we're not close enough to your moment of need. You have to wait to get home and wait to get to your desk to uh, be able to uh, cognitively offload whatever that need that is. And they decide, well, what if we built a mobile app and, what if, what if we were right there in your pocket? Wouldn't that help us be closer to your moment of need as, as it happened? And indeed, that's, that's exactly what happened. You're, you're, you're right there. And as you think of something, if your phone's right next to you, pull it out. Be able to just do a couple. Yeah, click on the out. Amazon app, search your product. You're right there. And off it goes. Mm-hmm. Now, and what's interesting when you think about this example, it's not that you get uh, a resolution or fulfillment of that good any faster. You could go to the store much faster, couldn't you, and pick up those those batteries that you just ordered. And it's not that you're getting that gratification, but, but you're able to cognitively offload uh, that 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 need so you're, by just being closer to that moment of need. And uh, that really is solving a big uh, broken aspect of, of that customer journey in fulfilling that moment of need. And what's also interesting, by the way, is they didn't stop there. So they, they transitioned to this wonderful mobile app, which is not just on your phone. It's on your tablet. It, my gosh, it's on, on the, my TV uh, that I just bought. Mm-hmm. Smart TV. Um, 
smart TV, exactly. And uh, not long ago, they launched something called Amazon Dash Buttons. Have you seen these? Oh, show? I love the Dash Button. Yeah, well, and we've talked about it on the show before, but, but just to remind everybody, that Dash Button is a little button that is – well, go ahead. You describe it. No, no, it, it, exactly. It's a little little Wi-Fi button that you can use to retrofit your, your house for Internet of Things, really. And so as you run out of laundry determ- detergent next to your washer, there's a little Dash Button there where you can press, and it's going to order uh, that replenishment for you, the same thing next to your – your trash bags and next to your batteries and on and on. And over the years, they've expanded the number of brands that uh, are available. Now they've got dozens, if not hundreds. I haven't checked uh, they have in hundreds. recent months. And it's amazing. Now, and that little button, is it, you just adhere it to the side of the washing machine. And by the way, now washing machines are coming from manufacturers that detect how much detergent you've been using. They know how big the box is and they will automatically order it from Amazon for you so you don't even need to touch the dash button. So you've essentially eliminated uh, that moment where you've got to worry about it. And, and I love the way you said it. It's like uh, you want to you know, use, use a pretty fancy word. You use the word cognitive. Basically what you're saying is my brain says I need batteries. Sure, I could go to the store and get the batteries in the next hour, two hours or when I get off work, but you know, I need to get this out of my brain. So let me just yes. pull out the app, touch the app, boom, it's done. Or go over to the dash button, hit the dash button, and, uh, you know, wireless because it's hooked into, you know, my the Internet. It, next thing you know, a day or two later, you've got your batteries, detergent, razor blades, whatever it is that you're ordering. That's exactly it. And, and today with, with people like you and I and, and those listening in, our, our days are already full. We have more than enough things on our mind, and that's why it takes us so long to, to, to fulfill our needs. And So just having that ability to offload them uh, is of just tremendous value uh, to today's uh, consumers like us. And uh, so that, that's what they're doing. Just, just by getting closer to the moment of need, you're able to solve a lot of pain. And think of what that dash button did. You don't always have your phone in your pocket. And it wasn't quite close enough, so they said, let's put it right next to the device. (laughs) And and then the great example that you brought up, the Internet of Things example, well, isn't it much better to even be even closer to the moment of need? And that that good just arrives at your doorstep just before you run out. So you don't even have to worry about pressing that little button. And that's all they're solving. There's no big mystery beyond this. They're getting closer to your moment of need. And so the opportunity exists for for those on today's call. Focus on, again, the customer's moment of need. Where are they um, and and how could you actually get closer if you only could so that there's less effort on the part of that customer to offload that need uh, for your good or service? All right. So number one is you use the word proximity, but I'm going to say the sin is not recognizing the proximity. Yes, exactly. Not recognizing or being just too far away from it. Right. Uh, from that moment of need. Yes. All right. Great. So here's what we're going to do. Normally, I'd say let's talk for another moment or two uh, and let's do number two. But I want to take a short break. And when we come back, there's seven deadly sins. We're going to we're going to cover all seven in the show. We're going to ramp it up. We're going to go into hyperspeed. It's like it's like Star Wars. Sit back, Chewie. We're going into hyperspace. I love it. Is that what Ansel said? So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Jeff Nicholson is going to share six more of the deadly sins uh, that uh, interfere with an amazing customer journey. Don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. 
Want to amaze your customers, impress the people you work with, and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com in ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jeff Nicholson, Vice President of CRM Product Marketing at Pegasystems. We're talking about the seven deadly sins. We've covered one, which is actually a proximity, but it's actually not recognizing that you need to be in closer proximity to your customers. What's number two? So number two takes us to the topic of accessibility. And that means, is it really, uh, well, the breakthrough is, in that case, is it really fit for function the way the customer would like to engage with it? And the, the sin is in how we provide access to our, our, our goods, our services, our, our customer service. And as an example, consider the number of times that you may have gone to a business's website to find an answer to an issue that you've had. And you want to get resolution. You don't want to call anybody. You just want to get an answer. And you go to the FAQ section, and what do you see is, is, is a dumping ground of FAQ documents and, and troubleshooting you know, m- menus that you have to go and find somewhere on the website, and then you're, you're selecting, but it doesn't have the right operating system that you're talking about, and, and on and on. And what, what's happened here, it's not fit for function for the way you as a customer would like to consume it. It is simply the information the business possesses already on hand, typically – and the way that it's easier for them to serve up to you. So they're that's, not thinking about the customer. They're thinking about them, how they want to serve it to you. Exactly. They want or how it might be more efficient for them to serve it to you. Mm. So in, in, in their mind, they're checking the box. Sure, we have web self-service. Go over here and find your answer. But it's not actually presented in a way that allows you to consume that information uh, easily and find the answer you're looking for in, in the way that you're, you're your mind is working. And so this aspect of accessibility being fit for function for you is the second of the sin. So consider if this, if that example we just said, you know, rhymes true with the the way that your business is set up on your self-service site or the way that even, even old technology, the IVR system, uh, I don't, I don't think I know anyone that likes interacting with an IVR. Uh, IVR virtual response, you know, you, right. And so people, you, it asks you to push a button or it asks you to say a word. uh, And I just, I, I start laughing when I hear in my office, uh, I can hear them talking outside and I know they've called customer support because this is what I hear. Agent. 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 Representative. Representative. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. yeah it, it, well, it, the only reason that we, we're both laughing is because it's so true. I know. Um, and, and, and we're not laughing when we're yelling at it. And right. The example of being fit for function here, so the accessibility, is not really accessible for you. You're, you're, you're getting on the line for sales, press one. They're more concerned with sales than they are with serving, servicing you if, if, if that was option one. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to the the, 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 the the prompt that you might consider or might be sounding like the one that you might consider or you might not be paying attention. You have to rewind it. 
We're seeing uh, organizations, some of them, get more serious about this you know, in accessibility. So we're starting to see when you call up certain airlines, for example, it automatically recognizes your phone number. It understands that you are uh, also signed up for a trip. And by the way, that trip takes off today. You might be calling to either change something with that reservation or there may be a delay already announced and it can present that information. So it, it's actually wrapped around you. It's fit for the way uh, you would like to consume. It's understanding your state and the journey. And it's, it's, it's simply built around you versus you having to conform to it. It's, it's, I think, spot on. Number three. Number three is the topic of duration. And this starts to get really, really interesting. The breakthrough to the breakdown of, of, of a long duration is, of course, expediency, how, how fast you can resolve an issue. And there, I'll share that there are some things that you can't resolve quickly. Um, in customer service, uh, service, there's long been this concept of uh, – you know, average handle time. How quickly can we you know, close up a call? But then there's instead of what a first call resolution, can we actually resolve the issue? And often they, don't, they, they can't happen. Right. They conflict, and and it's often you can't resolve something very quickly. It, it it is a long process. It will take days to get routed. You have manual processes in the back end that just simply are not fast. And where you understand, okay, can I get faster? I think we all are trying to get faster, and we're seeing organizations deploy things like uh, business process management, case management, and even robotic uh, automation technology to get faster at their resolution and, and making a dent there. Now, where it gets more interesting to me is when you consider that there is actually a resolution to this uh, and a relationship between the concept of, of sin number three and sin number four. So sin number three is duration with the breakthrough of expediency. Sin number four is visibility and a breakthrough of transparency. And a lot of what today's consumers are looking for, frankly, is transparency. The same way that we talked about uh, being closer to the moment of need and accessible, if you can be more transparent to businesses, they're finding value in there. Um, let me give you an example. Where expediency uh, is low, so where things take a long time, mm -hmm. this is where we're seeing the opportunity and need for transparency on the part uh, of the brand toward the customer. And where its expediency is very quick, no, the less the need to augment transparency because it's simply very fast. And a lot of the times, the reason that your customers are forced to keep contacting your website, to keep calling your customer service number, is because they're starving for transparency. They want to know where they stand. Even if it's not resolved, I want to know where am I in the process, whether it is a, a claim for a car insurance uh, repair that you have uh, ongoing, whether it's a service issue uh, for any others, they just want to know where do I stand. And again, put some empathy back in the process. And it's this interesting relationship between expediency and transparency. And it's one of the, frankly, the easiest things you can do as a business to augment transparency into your processes. Simply uh, kick off notifications as thing, things move through and let them know where they stand. I mean, think about it in the most simplistic sense. Um, and we'll go back to using Amazon as an example. You buy something from Amazon. It tells you the order's been placed. It tells you the order's been shipped. It gives you a shipping. It gives you shipping information, um, and you can track the order if you want. And uh, it's wonderful. I just uh, went and bought uh, an article of clothing, a, a sport jacket, uh, at a store when I was recently traveling at a conference, and I saw this. I go, I love it. I don't have any room in my suitcase. And she said, you know what? 
We'll ship it to you. Free shipping, and you also save sales tax. Whoa, bonus. Woo, isn't that exciting? And she emailed me to tell me it shipped. She gave me the tracking number. And then uh, UPS came on and said, you're going to be receiving the shipment tomorrow. It's going to your residence. Do you want to pre-sign for it so we can leave it? Wow, isn't that cool? And then, of course, um, I live in an apartment, and we got a guy at the door that takes all the shipments, so that's not an issue. But uh, as soon as it was signed for, I received notice that it had been delivered. And I think that's the kind of visibility you're talking about in its most basic sense that probably anybody can relate to. But I get it. If you're going to put somebody uh, into a system where the process of getting something fixed or taken care of is going to take any amount of time, let them know. I always say, you know, don't make them wait. But if or don't be late, if you have to make them wait, let them know how long they wait and keep coming back and tell them, you know, they're still there. And then make it great. There were, you had a lot of rhyming words oh, yeah. in there. Late, um, great, <laughs> wait. I love it. So uh, it's, it's, this is an interesting one to me, and it relates to one of the most common examples I hear when people cite great customer experiences, and they, they say that uh, – they looked at things like Uber. Oh, they went digital and they transformed it. And it, it, that's not what it really is. And they said, well, wh- how could that be? I, I mean, I can just take my phone and get a cab right there. And my answer there is that you've always been able to get a cab from your phone. That, that's how it worked, right? You could <laughs> you pick up your phone you to get a cab. dial the phone number. They just chose to do it a different way. Yeah, and and so it has to be more than this is, is what I'm saying. It's not just that you're getting a cab from your phone. Look beyond. And what they really did – whether we realize not is they solve for transparency. It was an experience that people didn't know was broken until this experience was created. Yep. And that's how they disrupted because you called for that cab. You stood on that street corner in the rain. It's freezing cold. You didn't know whether it had left. And it, it was just this gaping hole that you didn't know could be fixed. And what happened is they, that's what they they solved. Yeah, they show now. You, yeah, they show you a little, you know, there's my driver. He's coming this way. He's two minutes away. He's one minute away. And then the driver calls oh. and says, I'm here. Where are you? <laughs> oh, you, you and took the wrong right, turn. I can see you right over here. Right, yeah. right. Uh, you know, I'm it, across the street, you know, um, and, and it's perfect. And I think they've created a great system. I argue, it's, and by the way, I think your point of visibility, solving a frustration is powerful. I think they created an amazing, convenient solution to the typical taxi cab experience. Uh, it just is a fric- it's a less friction, you know, like almost frictionless experience. Exactly, and it's one that, to the point of today's uh, topic, it's one that that people didn't realize was broken until it was fixed. Yep, and that that's what makes it special. Uh, number five takes us to what we'll call as disconnectedness. And the goal here, the breakthrough, is to have continuity. And that's especially as you consider things such as moving across channels. And as you, and that's typically how today's customer works. They'll, they'll reach out to the next adjacent channel, whatever is closest to them at the moment. If they're next to their phone, they'll pick that up first. Uh, if, they're, uh, in, in, and if they have the mobile app, they'll start using that. If they don't, they'll start to go to mobile web. And if, if they get so far along the website, they might initiate a chat. And if they get so far down a chat, they may be forced to call. And if they call, they may be stuck into an IVR system. And as they get out of the IVR, then they get to a customer service agent and on and on and on and on. And and sometimes they're using several channels at once. They're on the website at the same time as they're on with that customer service agent. And so how do, as a business, we recognize that the breakthrough is to have that continuity, that that very contiguous and and, uh, concurrent ability to understand that customer singularly and not make them uh, 
be forced uh, to deal with each of these things as separate entities. And that's where we go to our, our channelist conversation from the mm-hmm. other week, Shep. Right. And, and you know, I like this. In, in its simplistic form, I'll just say, even if you're not going through all the different steps, if you call and you're talking to a rep for your first call and that rep has to transfer you to someone else, the, the ability for that second rep to be able to pick up where the rep left off as opposed to, okay, give me your social security number, your firstborn child's name, and, and uh, your, mother, your mother-in-law's maiden name. And, by the way, now repeat the whole thing all over again, uh, the whole story. I think that's where uh, the disconnectedness, as you call it, really stands out in my mind. And, yes, if you take it to, its, uh, to the more advanced level, the more, uh, I would say, uh, contemporary, what appears to be technical level, yeah, you're, doing, you're dealing with – uh, somebody coming onto a website, checking things out. Maybe they're filling out a form. They get stuck. They're forced to call. And wouldn't it be cool if the agent says, hey, I see you're on our, our website right now trying to fill out this form. Would you like me to help you continue? Uh, that's pretty cool. Excellent example. Mm-hmm. Excellent example. And the way I, a great way to sum that up is can you be one business to that one customer? We always talk about single customer view. Uh, can you be a single company and can you can you again have that continuity regardless of where that customer interacts and there are new ways of thinking that make it finally possible the old ways don't work we know that that's why businesses are in the state they're in Mm -hmm. so that's why some businesses are disrupting those businesses and uh exactly yeah yeah all right so we've got two more left but we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to cover number six and seven you've been listening to amazing business radio don't go away Shep Hygen here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jeff Nicholson, CRM uh, VP of CRM Product Marketing at Pegasystems. We already know that, uh, but what we don't know of the seven deadly sins of the customer's journey is we don't know what numbers six and seven are. Uh, well, we're in the in the home stretch here. When we when we get into number six, this is when we're getting to the aspects farther down the journey here, and we, we call this one irresolution. And the breakthrough is accuracy. So if you you could also do the inverse, so the, the breakdown, irresolution or inaccuracy. And let me give you some examples here. You might have, you might have been very close to the moment of need. Uh, you might have served up it very well, fit for function. You might have been uh, very fast in, in, in how long it's taken you to get to this, this end point and you're very continuous along the way. And consider that if we've all had interactions like this. We've been on the phone uh, or, or another service channel, uh, but particularly you see this on the phone where you, you, you go back and forth and you think you've got it resolved. Maybe it's resetting your cable box. And all right, all you have to do is reset your cable box. You should be all set. All right, I'm resetting now. Anything else? No, I'm all good. And you hang up, and what, what, what happens when the thing finally boots up 10 minutes later? Sure enough, the same problem. It doesn't actually do, do a start. Your channels still don't work. I hate when and, that happens. Well, <laughs> And it, it does it, happen. Make, and it does happen, but to make matters worse, this is the point of this particular sin. That's when you open up your email and you get a note from the, the business that says, uh, we now uh, consider your 
your case to be closed. Uh, thank you for your business. And, and by the way, how did we do? Yeah, yeah. So th- they didn't realize the journey was still going, right? It's, it's ir- it, it, they didn't actually resolve the real journey. They resolved that call for them. That yep. interaction's closed. They're perfectly happy. We're done. And uh, we can go on to the next customer, and they've got their uh, first call resolution rate nice and high. This is about your journey. This is about the customer journey. So when we talk about the sins of the journey, it's not recognizing that it's your journey that counts. And your journey continued long after that call occurred, and it wasn't actually resolved. So it wasn't accurate in its resolution. So what's the uh, answer? What, what, what do you do? Do you stay on the phone? Do you say, I'm going to call you back in 15 or 20 minutes to make sure so you didn't have to go call us again and go through? What do you do? Well, I believe there's a couple things. One is you, you do need to support your, your employees with the right systems to advise them on on the right processes. So in that case, no, no the, the rep should have stayed on and waited for that to be done because there, there's in the data, you can tell that where uh, certain activities have high probabilities of resolving an issue or not based upon the circumstances, so based upon the IoT in the box, et cetera. And you can guide your employees to, no, no, it's worth staying on the line to, to make sure this is uh, actually resolved because whatever percent of the time this doesn't actually solve it. So you can look to data is one of these things. Um, but ultimately, it, the, the, the more important thing you can do is just recognize that the customer's journey goes far beyond that, and that there's a probability. And don't, don't do the assumptive close. Don't send the, okay, we're all resolved, uh, email, your case is now closed. Just that, those, I think you have to pivot. It's, it's actually, did this actually solve it for you? We want to make sure we got it right. If it didn't, here is where you, uh, you know, click to have someone uh, chat with you immediately. Uh, through, through your mobile app or whatever that is. It's, it's a way for them to continue on that to really get closure and really get resolution. Act like you really care about solving it uh, versus yep. closing a, a case. I mean, I recognize there is some, uh, uh, you know, economic, it makes economic sense to move on if you're having to wait 10 minutes for something to reboot. But to say to somebody, hey, this is going to reboot. It should solve your problem. If it doesn't, you're going to be receiving an email almost immediately from when we hang up. And if we haven't, you click on this link, and right away you'll be reconnected uh, to us. Something, something I, I mean, it, it, the technology is there, and it, you know what? It's not expensive to do that type of technology. No. So, all right, number seven. Well, we, we've, we've covered a lot of ground, and, and here we are at the last one. And number seven, it's related to something you touched on earlier on, and in the category of breakdown is called amnesia. And I think you can anticipate the breakthrough here. It's actually having a, a, a memory, um, both short and long-term memory of the customer. And it is this aspect of customers interacting, whether it's coming back to the same channel several times and not being remembered, um, or, or across channels. So consider your website. Uh, and if, if you have customers going to a website, uh, they're interacting with it, they're clicking, let's, let's pretend you're insurer. And you get the standard home page. It's, it's showing you this picture of uh, someone uh, driving a car, promoting car insurance. And you start clicking through. You, you actually move into life insurance and specifically into term life insurance. And you actually start to configure a quote for term life insurance. And you did a lot of work here, but you get pulled away, as many people do. And that particular session times, times out. And you, you finally remember to come back to the site. Guess what? Are you going right to where you left off? Does the site you're starting over? You? Most of the time, you're starting over. 
you got it. And this, whether you're configuring a car that you, you want to test drive, or these experiences happen all over the place. And I'll guarantee even that big banner um, uh, image on that insurer's site it was still that darn car. It didn't actually have a life insurance one. And this can be done through just simple cooking and simple digital fingerprinting. You don't have to be logged in to be able to do this. And But the fact is, businesses still just go about it the old way, and, it, and it's driving customers crazy because it doesn't have to be that way. And again, it's not that brands don't want to fix journeys. They don't know all the time where it's broken. They don't understand there's easy opportunities to fix and heal these things, even if they are just where they get started. And then the same gets compounded as you move across channels. When you, your example earlier, when you enter your 16-digit account number on the IVR and then you move to the web, to the call center, they're asking for the same thing. And and if you have two calls in this, you get the idea. It's just this, this amnesia uh, that businesses tend to have. And of course, the answer is to actually be serious and focus on getting a memory uh, and putting in place the systems and processes to do it. Wow. So there's the seven deadly sins. And for those listening, if you go to AmazingBusinessRadio.com, I'll make sure that these are listed in the recap of the show so that you can get uh, a better sense of it visually uh, and you can look at these different sins. All right. We're just about out of time. Always have the final question, which I call the one thing question. So what's the one best piece of advice uh, related to this topic of uh, the customer journey that you can share with us? Sure. It is to simply get started. I would use these seven criteria. And then for each of these seven, perhaps give yourself a score. Think about your customer experience on any set of channel or channels and give yourself a score between one and five, five being you're doing very well, one being you're doing very low. And then begin to isolate where there may be opportunities to improve and just pick somewhere to start. What if I did this? Could it actually change things? How hard would it be to do? Who would I talk to? And just simply start to have that conversation. That would be my advice, Shep. That is great advice, and this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. You get, I mean, I'm blown away. I've taken two pages of notes. Uh, I don't think I could write as fast as you were talking. Otherwise, I would have taken three pages of notes. This has been outstanding. And, I, again, you know, we had you back for a reason because uh, this is amazing information that everybody needs to have. And it doesn't matter what type of company you're in. You could be a small solo entrepreneur or you could be huge with tens of thousands, if not 100,000 or more, employees. These seven deadly sins are happening in your business, whether you know it or not. I don't know if anybody's perfect, but uh, this is a place to start. So thanks, Jeff. You've been awesome to share this information. Thanks, Shep. And, and again, a really fun conversation and delighted to be here. Well, it's uh, my pleasure, and I know our audience feels the same way. Thanks again. So, everybody, another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Hope you learned a lot. I know I did, and we've got much, much more coming up. Each week we have an amazing episode with an amazing guest. And until we are together next time, remember to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.